Welcome back. This is Survived. With Sophie. And Lexi. We started telling our survived story in college, and we're moving on to bring you guys more. Through many different topics. And we hope you guys had a good weekend and week. It was great. It is almost October. I can't believe that. I decorated for Halloween already. Mm -hmm. I've put out a couple things, at least inside. Like a couple good smelling fall candles. I was saving those. And then I got a pumpkin pillow and a little dancing pumpkin too. Oh, cute. I have a little gnome pillow and a a little pumpkin pillow. Cute. (laughs) I have a ghost pillow as well, but that stays out all year just because of how cute it is. Yeah, I guess the ghost. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's a real, I don't know if that's his name, but Gus the ghost. Oh, yeah. That can be his name now. He didn't have a name before. Oh, well, just named him. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Well, I hope you guys are getting ready for Halloween because we are going to be doing a entire month of spooky episodes for you guys leading up to Halloween. I'm so excited. Because me and Lexi are Halloween girls, so sorry if you're not. We just, we love Halloween and we love October. It's one of my favorite months, even though I don't like the cold. I just, October is really, really nice. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's going to be, well, next week it says it's going to be warm, but I think after that it might start to get cooler. I'm not really sure. Not ready for that. No. I I like the, like, fall crisp mornings where you wake up and there's dew sitting on your window and a tree frog just chilling on the side of your window. Mm-hmm. But then it warms up during the day. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Yeah, like it's different, but not mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Well... This episode this week, we are going to be talking about self-defense because we have a story to tell you at the end. So stay tuned, but we'd like to just touch on some self-defense first in this episode and just kind of bring light to it for people who either don't know or would like to, you know, know more about self-defense things. And before we get into the episode, we're going to do a little true crime news update, like we said we would. Yes, so this week's true crime update is... (laughs) It is... um, So a couple weeks ago, we touched on this case. It's about Taylor Shabiznes. Um, She did some pretty horrific things to her boyfriend up in Green Bay. And her final sentencing hearing was the other day and they basically said that they are locking up the key and throwing it away um she is insufferable she had to wear a spit spit hood mask which literally covers all the way down from your nose all the way down to your shoulders and covers it up and they lock it on you so it's like a straight jacket but for like around your face so she can't spit, bite, or do anything with her 
mouth and that kind of crazy behavior. That um, means she's was acting crazy to get that put on her. Yeah. Because they, they don't just felt put that on unsafe you. enough. They literally lock it on you. Yeah. Because the people, like, the guards handling and the corrections officers that are handling people like that, they have to put their safety... Before anybody else. Yeah. Rightfully so, though. That's the other thing. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. Well, I'm glad that she got a life sentence without parole, and she's just going to be sitting in prison. Yep. Probably in solitary... Because solitaire, solitary, solid. <laughs> Solitaire's a card game, Lexi. Oh, yeah, I knew one of them was a card game, and I was like, which one is it again? <laughs> Solitary confinement is where you just are put by yourself with no, you know, other inmate interaction. Okay, but listen. What if there was solitaire confinement where you were forced to play solitaire all day, <laughs> every day? Different kind of torture. <laughs> I'd be tortured. I don't even know how to play it. You know, I don't know how to play it either. I remember there was like a game on Webkins that was solitaire, and I tried yeah. so hard to learn how to play that, and I was like, I don't know how to play this game, and I lose every time and not get any Kins cash. For all you Webkins folks out there that used to play Webkins. Kins Cash. <laughs> oh, Lexi, yeah. did you ever have a Webkins? I did. I had one. But my mom only bought it and then said, like, I'm not renewing this subscription. So. What? You only had one? Yeah. It was a great horse. Of course you had a horse. Of course. Of course. <laughs> well, that's really nice. Yeah. Well, if I would have known, we could have been friends on Webkin's World. Yeah, we could have met each other way back in the day. <laughs> when we were youngins. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, to kind of shift gears here into our episode, like I said, we're going to be talking about self-defense today. And then at the end, we do have a survivor story, too, for you guys, which is pretty crazy. So I would say stick around till the end. It's, I, I don't even want to give it away. I'm just going to stop talking about the story. But, so what is self-defense? Self-defense is a measure that involves defending the health and well-being of oneself from harm. Duh. You're kind of defending yourself. And the use of the right of self-defense has legal justification for the use of force in times of danger, and it's available in many jurisdictions. So, if you're being attacked, and then you attack someone and hurt them, it kind of makes up for it because you're using self-defense because you're trying to save yourself. I guess it just depends in a certain situation. I think it's a case-by-case basis. But that makes sense. I might just be rambling as well. So <laughs> no, I think you're I think you're on the right track. What types of self-defense are there? Well, 
there are four types of self-defense. There's physical, unarmed, armed, and then verbal self-defense. Sorry, guys. I blanked there for a second. So physical self-defense is the use of a physical force to encounter the threat that can be um, considered violent. Force is um, can be considered armed or unarmed, but in either case, the chances of success depend on the parameters related to the severity of the threat on one hand, but also the mental and physical preparedness of the defender. Unarmed self-defense is mixed types of martial art um, that are practiced specifically for self-defense or include self-defense techniques. Like karate or taekwondo. Yeah. We like go, if you're a black belt. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ciao. Sorry for my little, uh, what are they called? Sound effects? <laughs> yeah, sound effects. You know, I I tried um, one form of martial arts. I forgot what it was called. It was some form. I, I don't think it was, like, specifically karate, but um, something of a martial arts style when I was younger. But I only got to a yellow belt, so sadly, I didn't get black. <laughs> oh, nice. Didn't get to the black belt. I am one of my... Hannah, the... Um girl who told her story a long time ago her brother's a black belt wow great it is kind of impressive you know mm-hmm. i think that's impressive like it's dedication it takes a while you gotta do stuff with it mm-hmm. i don't know um but to divvy back to the unarmed self-defense uh Some of these defenses can include escaping from a knife or a gun effectively, um, how to break away from a punch, and while others train how to use to attack. So, to provide more of a practical self-defense, modern martial art schools use a combination of martial art and techniques that will often customize self-defense training to suit that specific individual so a lot of the times they like take your size like if you're a smaller person um they'll take it and just kind of see how much like force you can use and what would be your best bet in case of an event Mm -hmm. like it is different if you're shorter smaller or if you're a person who's tall and have longer arms or longer legs then you can stand farther back you know, or it honestly differs from person to person, I think. Yeah, like Sophie and I would go over like the, we would use more of like a three spot technique than um, somebody who throws uh, balls in the Olympics. A woman, what are those called? Shot put. I mean, that's a really bad comparison, but anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So armed self-defense is a wide variety of weapons that can be used to help um, defend uh, 
yourself in case of an attack. The most suitable depends on the attack itself with the victim or victims and the experience that the defender thinks they are, what level they're at. So, like, if you just have someone who says, oh, I have a gun in my pocket, and you can tell it's their finger, and they don't, you don't want them to take your money, you can, you can read that a lot better and plan for that a lot better than, let's say, like a bank robbery, where they say they have a bomb or something. Um, And there's two different scenarios, you're going to use two different techniques in there. Um. And I think when we say an armed, like if you're trying to defend yourself from somebody who's armed, like you know what that means. Like they either they have, or you're you're armed, you know, you have something on you, right? Yeah, I think you can be like if you have your concealed carry, you're technically considered armed. Or even like you have you have anything. Yeah, even a pocket knife. Anything that can cause physical damage and can hurt you. Like, I think pepper spray. I don't think a rape whistle counts, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pepper spray counts. Even if you have keys, you know, like anything on you, really, that could injure the person that's attacking you is considered you're armed, I guess. Yeah. So anything along those lines would be considered armed. Um, In some jurisdictions slash counties, you can openly carry or concealed carry for this purpose. Uh, I feel like we should take away open carry and do more of a concealed carry because you actually have to have your license for that. Mm -hmm. I don't know too much about open carried but I don't think that's I don't know um so there's another purpose other jurisdictions have tight restrictions on who can own firearms and what types they can own knives especially those are categorized as switchblades may also be controlled and um Batons, pepper spray, and electrical shock weapons. Um, Some of them may be legal, but you may have to carry a license with those as well. Yeah. I think it depends on, like, if you're just carrying, like, bear spray, because bear spray is a lot more potent than pepper spray. I guess always just, if you're carrying something, you know, as a self-defense weapon, so you're armed and just, you know, ready for something, just so you feel safe yourself... Always make sure that it is legal for you to be carrying that, um, no matter what it is. Because you might think yourself, like, oh, this is fine. I wouldn't have any trouble. But if you were to get in a situation and use your weapon, um, even if it is a self-defense thing, you just don't want to have it turn back on you for some reason. You know, you want to always make sure there's no kind of legal restriction on it. Um. And if you guys want to know, too, you cannot have pepper spray in the airport. They will take it from you. Yes. (laughs) They do. So make sure to take it off, like, your key ring or whatever if you're bringing your keys with you. Yep. Because they don't give it back. (laughs) 
I went to the airport one time and they took it from me. Wow. I know. I thought it was kind of rude, to be honest with you. (laughs) So, some non-injurious, because there are some people out there that are like, okay, I do want to protect myself and, you know, from attacks or possible attacks, but I don't know if I'd be able to injure another person type of thing, or you just don't know. Um, So, some non-injurious self-defense items are some dye marker sprays oh i never knew they had that it's kind of like um when someone steals something from the store and like that little gray thing is still attached it explodes yeah or dna marker sprays linking a suspect to a crime in most places would be legal to own and carry everyday objects such as a flashlight Baseball bat, newspapers, key rings with keys, like we said, kitchen utensils, and other tools, hairspray, anything in an aerosol can, because think about that being sprayed in your eyeballs or something, that would sting for a couple seconds, disorient somebody. Oh, heck yeah, it would. So, just things like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone listening has a brain. So, (laughs) I think you guys get the gist of this, but we just kind of wanted to touch on, touch on it and kind of go into it a little bit for people who just might not know at all. Or, you know, people who have maybe not even taken a self-defense class or anything. I mean, I I suggest you do. Yeah. We're not, we're not verified, trained, anything in self-defense. We're just researching and providing information. This is us just reading what the World Wide Web said, so. (laughs) From verified sources. From verified sources. And last but not least is the verbal self-defense. And it's defined as using words to prevent or de-escalate a situation to end the attempted assault. This is something that you should try first, obviously. Yeah, I feel like trying to reason with them might work. Mm -hmm. Always try to kind of talk somebody down or try to kind of see where their head's at if they let you. That's the other thing. You don't know if you have that kind of time. Um, Being loud, getting attention, especially if you're out in a public place, talking loud and getting other people's attention will maybe draw that person away from you because they don't want attention on them. Things like that. Screaming. Anything loud. Mm-hmm. Making a really loud roar. Roar! And when the verbal self-defense says to prevent, not to provoke... So that's another thing. You don't want to say things like, oh, well, if you do this, then, you know. I'm going to call you a twat waffle. (laughs) Like that. Or like, this person will come after you. Or like, I don't know, something that would like maybe provoke the person. Because you don't know who they are. You don't know where their head's at. Anything kind of like that. I'm just thinking in a sense where some random person 
is like walking next to you or like behind you on a sidewalk dark at night you know that's where I'm picturing this so they might be crazy yeah something to prevent that situation a verbal defense would be like hey why are you following me you know can I help you something like that because calling them out would immediately you know they might think about their actions next but you never know you cannot think for the other person you don't know what their intentions are so nope they have a mind of their own which is kind of scary when you think about it in the grand scheme of things yeah kind of is anyways women self-defense so this is just some statistics that i pulled um 80 of juvenile victims are female Wow. 90% are rape victims that are adult women and women from 18 to 34 are very high at risk to experience sexual assault or anything. So, Sophie, the law of self-defense, where does it lie? I don't know, Lexi. Where does it lie? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is often the very first question people ask the police to that when they're filing a police report uh they're just going to kind of ask you these questions what if a victim of a violent crime provoked attacked i don't know like let's say you called you're walking out of woodman's the grocery store and you call someone a cotton-headed ninny mug in um, you provoke that attack versus where you just walk by somebody instead of calling them a cotton-headed ninny-bugging. Yeah, like if you go up to somebody and you're like, your hair looks ugly, and then they punch you, you provoked it because you told them their hair was ugly. Yeah, you asked them to give you a reaction. Yeah. The, the next, next question. Oh, you keep going. Nope, it's okay. <laughs> I didn't say question. I said question. Like, I am France. Okay, anyways. Obviously, when we record these, guys, I'm sorry. Can you guess it's late again? Yeah, it, it's getting late. And, <laughs> and I. this is when, like, everything just stops working for me. <laughs> Like, all of my functions, my brain's just like, I don't know what you want from me. Okay, so I am going to try this again. And the question is, did the perpetrator threaten the use of a deadly force or non-deadly force? So basically, they're asking you if he used anything that could physically hurt you versus just his body hurting you. Yeah. The next question police would ask is, did the victim have a reasonable belief or reasonable fear that the use of force against them was immediate? Because 
because Never. if they did, then they would use, you know, they would defend themselves. Yep, and then you're not liable. <clears throat> so the next question is, was the victim obligated to retreat from the violent or threat of the imminent force? Basically meaning that the attacker was forcing them trying, to run away. Yep, running away. Or trying to get away. Yep. To save their own life. And they said, nope, I don't want to do this. And did the victim use reasonable force in response to the attack? So, like, let's say somebody, like, pushes you down and, you know, you're trying to cover your head because they keep, like, trying to, you know, push on your head or whatever. Just an example here. And if you, you know, kind of slap their face away or slap their hands away, that's a reasonable force in response to that attack. Now, if you were to do something extreme, that's not a reasonable, you know, I, you guys get the picture, for reasonable force to an attack. Fair. True. Like, if you were to take out a weapon and start using that against them, that would not be a reasonable force. Because you used it later on. Right? Because, I guess it, I guess it is a case-by-case basis. Like, it really is. But if that person just pushed you, and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it has to be even. But that's just my opinion. I'm not 100% sure, so don't take my words for, you know, for the real thing. But the next question is, what protection exists for victims who feel on reasonable grounds that a threat exists when it does not? So those are all the questions that when a police report is filed for a attack and self-defense is used, these are like the questions that are asked to make sure if self-defense was, you know, properly used or not, you know, yeah. used out yeah. of reasonable force. So the specific laws of self-defense vary state by state um, and some states have a stand your law ground and others do not that's what it's called that's what i was trying to say okay never mind sorry <laughs> sophie would you like to go over what stand your laws that is kind of where you can do what you please like stand your ground laws doesn't Texas have something like that? That is that is like a protecting your home law. It's called something else. It's definitely called something totally different, but it's something where like if an intruder breaks in, you have the you have the right to bring out your gun and shoot them if you so please to because they broke into your home. 
even if they didn't steal anything, but they got onto your property and they attempted to burglarize your own home. Hmm. That is kind of the gist in an example, I believe, of the stand your ground laws. And some states have that and some states do not. I, for one, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, to put all of the information that you guys just learned in a scenario before we move on to our survivor story. Um, so, you have a jealous ex-lover who confronts his former girlfriend and shouts, I'm going to kill you. He then shows you a knife and steps forward. In this case, the victim victim would be within her rights to defend herself because that is a reasonable fear of physical harm. But if she had pepper spray, she justified it in using to fend off her angry ex-lover and he had said and approached her, we need to talk, she would not be legally justified in using the pepper spray. But I feel like that varies on case-by-case basis because some people tend to follow their exes, so. Yeah, I feel like it does, but that is a really good example. Like, if somebody says, I'm going to hurt you, and they have a weapon on them, you can defend yourself. Like, definitely defend yourself if yep. you're, you know, half can't flee the area. But, yeah, I think all your listeners are very smart and they understand self-defense we just kind of wanted to dive into it a little bit kind of you know talk about some stuff about it just because we've got a survivor story to talk about here and this one is crazy guys this one's crazy crazy so this story is about a woman named susan Kunhausen? Kunhausen is her last name. But her first name is Susan. And this is taking place in 2006. So, after finishing a shift at Providence Portland Medical Center as an emergency room nurse, Susan Kunhausen headed to her home in southeast Portland. At the house, she read a note from her husband of 18 years, Michael, saying that he had left for the beach. The date was September 6, 2006. So Susan, and she was 51 at the time, walked upstairs to their shared bedroom when a man hiding behind the door jumped out and attacked her with a claw hammer. Ooh. Yeah. The hitman was Edward Haffey, a 59-year-old with a long criminal record. And sadly, he actually was paid $50,000 by her husband. That's just crazy. So he was a hitman hired by her own husband. But she, yeah, she did not know that yet. She just time. walked through the door after her shift as an emergency room nurse. 
She's like, probably tired because yeah. you're running around everywhere. Yeah. And this man has the audacity to do that. And she gets home, she's walking upstairs, and there's just a guy hiding behind her door. And attacked her with a claw hammer. I could not imagine. Yeah. So, on the second floor of the home, Haffy, Haffy, quick, sorry, I thought I was saying his name wrong. Haffy quickly landed a swift blow to Susan's left temple with the hammer. Oh my god. Yeah. That can kill you. Yeah. However, she she prevailed. She was still alive and she was fighting. And as an emergency room nurse for 30 years, she was well versed in effective self-defense skills. Ooh. And the hitman was not prepared for that. She tackled Haffy, pushing him against the wall. And this moment was the only words that she remembered hearing him speak that night. And he said, you're strong. I feel Probably like that is... expecting to get his ass whooped by a woman. Yeah, and Sorry. I feel like that's also creepy. Like, he doesn't say any other words to her except, you're strong. That's it. <laughs> like, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so Susan said that that was the moment she realized this man was there to kill her and her adrenaline just went into overdrive she wrestled the hammer away from Haffy a few times and she hit him in the head with the hammer she demanded to know why he was there yelling who sent you so she finally, you know, was able to grab the weapon from him and attack him with the weapon. But Haffy didn't respond to her and received the hammer back. He somehow grabbed it back from her. And that's when Susan grabbed his throat and squeezed. Haffy's face turned purple and then blue. Oh my Panic, God. Panicked, she let go. And tried to run out of the house. Haffy caught her in the hallway and began to savagely punch her in the face. <gasps> I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. For all the sound effects. <laughs> so, just, I can't even, I'm like picturing this in my mind. They're wrestling on the floor. She gets the hammer. She, first, she's hit in the face. And then she gets the hammer, hits him in the face. Or in the head, I guess. Not in the face. Maybe. And then he gets it back, and then she grabs his neck, and then she thinks, oh my gosh, I might have, you know, I might have killed him. And then she walks out, and then he's not dead. He gets up and grabs her in the hallway and just starts punching her. Like, what? my God. I could never imagine. Oh. However, Susan... She she prevailed. She's very, very strong, like he said. She pulled him down to the floor somehow and repeatedly bit him in the arm and thigh, hoping that her teeth marks left behind could at least link her death to him. She was smart. Mm-hmm. She said, mm-mm, you ain't taking me down today? But she didn't die. 
Susan managed to climb on top of Haffy and place him in a chokehold with her left arm. Ah, this woman. She tried to, he tried to flip her, but her extensive self-defense training allowed her to stay in control. Eventually, Haffy stopped moving. Susan grabbed the hammer and ran to her neighbor's house to call 911. That night, Portland police found the body of Edward Haffy in the Kuhnhausen's home. They found during their search rubber yellow gloves, a bottle of Hershey's chocolate syrup, and diabetes pills in his possession, which is really random. That's really random if you're trying to, like, not get diabetes, and yet you have... Hershey's chocolate syrup. (laughs) Yeah. And police also found Haffy's daily planner. On the date of September 4th, two days earlier, he wrote, Call Mike. With Michael's phone number in that notebook what do you know the police soon discovered that Haffy and Michael worked together at the same adult video store in the area so Susan learned the night of the attack that she killed Haffy as well oh so the after the police you know went into the house and was like Searched everything, found out what happened. They went back and they were like, yep, he is deceased. So she actually went on the television show, I Survived, and she spoke on there. She recounted how she felt in those first moments after hearing her would-be killer, a hitman hired by her own husband, was dead. And she said, quote, I immediately began to think of his family. Everyone has someone who loves them. Children, a wife, a mother, a dad. The worst of this is not somebody tried to kill me, but that I had to kill someone else to survive. But I had no shame because I did not choose this death for him. I choose my life. I choose life. Good. Mm Mm-hmm. One week after the attempted murder, police found Michael hiding in Sunnyside, Oregon. Or Oregon. The following day, Susan filed for divorce. Rightfully so. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think anybody would. Yeah. What? So, then on August 30th, 2007, almost... A year, almost a year later, Michael pled guilty to soliciting a murder-for-hire plot against his own wife. He was sentenced to only seven years in prison. Okay, this is going to sound really weird and mean, but I don't really care because he tried to kill his wife. But this other guy said he would do it for $50,000, but they're only working at a store do you know what i mean yeah like a video music store like that's where they're working an adult video store yeah like you can't get paid that much 
No. Like, I'm not trying to be mean from it, but. No, yeah. So that's why he probably, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember if there was, like, they said a reason why he hired the hitman. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's so many cases like this where they feel like they're in a, you know, trapped and then they just end up doing something terrible instead of just getting a divorce. So. I will never understand that. Yeah. I don't know how he knew. Like, why not just get a divorce? Like, if you're really that unhappy in your marriage. Yeah. And I don't know if this Haffy guy, Edward Haffy, like, was a hitman hitman. Or if Michael just paid him a lot of money to do this thing. Because he was, you know, maybe a bigger, stronger guy. I'm not sure. Or said he would because he needed the money. It has to be something like that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm appalled at the fact that Michael was only sentenced to only seven years in prison. Like, okay. All right. That's it? That's all you get for trying to kill a woman? Yeah. Kill your own wife. Oh, people. Uh, in years after the attack... Susan said she felt as though someone was always watching her. She decided to move to a new home in Portland and spent much of her time practicing at the shooting range, believing she had to be prepared if Michael ever came back. He traumatized that poor woman. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, it's not just his face that you have to watch out for. It'd be everyone. Yep. You don't know. That is so scary. However, good news. He never came back. Michael died from cancer in prison. Three months before his scheduled release. Karma. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Karma will get you back. So, after surviving a violent encounter with a hitman, Susan is deeply involved with victim advocacy work. The former ER nurse has worked closely with justice organizations in the Portland area, including Women's Strength and Girl Strength programs, and in the Oregon Crime Victims Law Center, which is super cool. Yeah. Well, she said, not going to take a hold of me and did something with, did something with all of that. Mm-hmm. And in 2017, she, I don't know if she got remarried or if she changed her last name back, but she is now Susan Walters. Um, So in 2017, Susan, with the Multoma County District Attorney's Office in creating Case Companion, which is a free website dedicated to supporting victims of crime in the area. It answers questions about the justice system what to expect in proceedings, and provides online resources for victims. Furthermore, as soon as the office files charges, victims can track their offenders, court dates, sentencing details, and information about offenders when they are released. Oh, nice. 
which is so cool how she worked with the um, Multoma County District Attorney's Office to create that free website for victims. Because that is a great resource to have. I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's cool how she did something. It was like, I'm going to put... I'm going to make something out of it. Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of... Yeah, it's like what we did. What are we doing right now? Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people do that. They... You know, when you're handed lemons, make lemonade. (laughs) Might as well. Make a whole lemonade stand. (laughs) Make a whole lemonade stand. Yeah. Well, that is the case of Susan. Um, I just, I thought that was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Crazy. And I'm so glad that Susan was able to survive and tell her story and advocate for other victims and help with creating Case Companion website. That is awesome. So, shout out to Susan and self-defense. You're doing great, sweetie. hmm And we always advise, take a self-defense course. If you've been thinking about it and you're like, oh, maybe, I would say just do it. I'm sure there are some in your area, too, if anything. Yeah. I would say just do it. You never know. What that could, you know, prepare you for in the future. Any Anything you get from it would help you. Fair. True. Mm-hmm. But that is all we have for today in this episode. I still thought it was episode 49. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. <laughs> But this has been survived with Sophie and Lexi. Don't forget to Gmail us if you want to or follow our Instagram and Facebook. Yes, at gmail.com. Yes. All right. Bye, guys. Goodbye.